This is Live to Lead Radio, episode number six, From the Broom Closet to the Boardroom. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. want to break the excellence barrier by reaching greater heights. They are ready to unlock higher performance by expanding their horizons to capture sustained, desirable outcomes for both business and life application. But there's a problem. Many leaders today are tapped out, immobilized, and feel completely unfulfilled. Why? Because of unnecessary distraction and lack of the right support, leaving them completely off course. Live to Lead offers up the opportunity to gain insight, shift perspectives, and get inspired by listening to stories from everyday leaders just like you. I'm calling each and every one of you out right now to own your bold responsibility to lead powerfully today, tomorrow, and into the future. Are you with me? Good. Let's begin. Welcome to episode number six of the Live to Lead podcast. I am very excited and honored about my next guest on the show that I am more than happy and pumped to introduce you to. I had the honor of hearing him speak, train, coach, mentor in a summer program here in Lakeland, Florida that my son was a part of. And I remember listening to him on the stands and he was not only motivating the basketball players on the court because it was a basketball camp, he was actually motivating, inspiring, and holding parents accountable about the game, about the leadership skills that it takes to sustain the game, about being a team player, and just inspiring parents to be the best leading models in their own homes when it came to raising athletes. So without further ado, let me please provide you a brief bio So today's guest is Coach R.J. Barsh. He has individually mentored and trained several NBA, NCAA, and international players, and most recently, Polk County native Dwayne Bacon. Currently, he is the head basketball coach here in Lakeland, Florida for the Southeastern University, which is a very reputable school here locally where we live. And he has led his team to the final four and consistently ranks in the top teams in his conference. Wow. Coach is a proven communicator and a relentless leader. He's always raised the level for every college program he's represented, wanting it to be more, wanting it to be more innovative, to give it a bigger push, which is attributed to his unique ability to tap into the minds of athletes to help them exceed far beyond their own expectations. His cutting-edge coaching methods and mindset practices have transcended the basketball court and created opportunities to speak in churches, corporations, and camps around the world. I am very honored to have him on this show as a guest, so let's talk to Coach Barsh. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing phenomenal. Yourself? I'm great. Happy 4th of July. Thank you. So anyway, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. And I think you remember when we talked briefly the first time I was telling you that my son had participated a couple years ago into the Southeastern University summer basketball camp. 
And I remember you speaking from the court and you were speaking not only to the players, but you shifted and you started to speak towards the parents about just the responsibility that it comes with to raise an athlete, role modeling in the correct way that, you know, students that are learning the sport, learning team playership skills, they need to really learn a lot of that from their parents too during game time, their behavior, all of that. And I remember thinking, wow, this guy is not only an amazing motivator, but he he's an influencer and he's a really holding the parents responsible. And I just thought that that was great because you're really teaching the parents how to be leaders raising athletes. Yeah. I think one of the reasons I actually do that, I can almost remember that speech because I, I give it at camps all the time. When you're training an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old, one thing that you realize is they're going to imitate the behavior they see. And, uh, and and when you're on a basketball court and you got parents out there, that's a great opportunity to remind the parents, hey, I know sports is fun, but it's also a great platform to teach life skills and leadership lessons if you jump in right away. And then you can get so much more out of the game than just wins and losses every single moment turns into a teaching moment. And so when parents are able to cope from that concept, I think it makes their experience with their son or daughter with the sports just that much more enjoyable because they can pivot to so many different conversations based on just the game. So I love that conversation early in camp. And I get a lot of feedback from parents who, uh, who adjust their philosophy (laughs) (laughs) a little bit. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's great. I'm glad your son enjoyed camp. For sure. He did. He really loved it. And I was sitting in on the benches feeling like, wow, you know, that so many parents do not realize that they have a leadership responsibility within their home. Definitely. So let's just tell the listeners today, tell them a little bit about what you do and why you do it. And what are some of your biggest gifts in your role? I would say, I mean, what I do is I'm a, I'm a leader of, of young men. A basketball coach is my title, but for some reason, God has always placed leaders in my life to be able to influence them where they go out and influence others. I started coaching my sophomore year in college because of a career-ending back injury. And so I started coaching from a place of just wanting to stay a part of the game. And what I realized in coaching at 20 years old college guys who are my friends, I realized, man, I think I see this game different than most people, I see it holistically versus just X's and O's. And I kind of see the whole person as a part of making them a better player, making them a better person. And so that just started opening up opportunities to train with professional athletes, NBA players, to train with NFL players, just to work on their mind, to be able to maximize uh, moments. I really believe that the confidence comes from preparation. And uh, if you want to maximize time and pressurize moments, and that's where the greatest athletes are the best, it's because you prepared yourself. And so I just began to have opportunities of coaching. My first team I was a head coach for was a sixth grade girls team. Aww. And we were we were called the Red Hots. And if you come in my office in my at Southeastern, right over my desk is a picture of my eight girls, the first team that I ever coached. Uh, it just reminds me daily that the opportunity to mold minds Uh, is very important as a coach. Wow, that's incredible. Now, how did you shift? I mean, you had the injury, you had a dream, you know, and this is really something that you want to do, follow your basketball career, but the injury, God's plan, it just became different. So how did you make that shift and was it easy? It was extremely difficult because I think when I first got hurt, I went through like three or four months of kind of a depression and just I put myself into a silo and 
it took me a while to realize that that was okay to do to, to kind of get over the pain of what had just happened. And then once I realized that, um, that there was more, I think sometimes when we have a dream and we realize that sometimes it's taken away, we don't realize that the dream that we had came from the maturity of age that we had that dream. And once you grow older, you mature and sometimes your dream can change and that's okay. What I realized is that the joy didn't necessarily come from, from playing basketball as much as it came from being around people. And so it helped me in a major way because I got started coaching 10 years before my peers did because they chased the game of basketball as a player and only a certain percentage make it to the NBA. I'm not going to kid yourself. I, I had no chance of making it to the NBA, but I did have a chance of continuing to play. But once I got through the emotions of, man, I'm not going to be able to play at a high level, and I started to see what helping a young man realize their potential looks like, I began to see, like, wow, for me, this is much better. And I can do this till I'm 110 versus, <laughs> <laughs> versus playing the game till I'm 30. So um, it was tough, and um, I think it's good for it to be tough at first because you do lose something. But you also gain perspective from it as well. Wow. I think it's absolutely beautiful what you said, because I think so many of us, uh, you know, go one or the other way. Either one, you just pick up, you keep going, you don't allow yourself to feel it, you don't allow yourself to get depressed, you just go to another quick dream without putting the emotion behind it. So you don't give yourself permission to feel that loss and to mourn a dream, you know, and that follows you if you don't heal. So I think people either do that or they just stay stuck in depression and hate life. Yeah, I think what happens is, and I saw it happen a little bit in my own life, is you start to uh, lead people from a place of regret instead of a place of promise. And so if I never got over not playing, I think I would always have the tension to prove I was a player. And once I, once I realized that, man, that day is over, and I could actually live fresh in my new day without trying to have the residue of my past be in the future of my leadership. And I think a lot of people don't know how to put something down. Like, you know, I always tell my players, you can't pick up a handful of diamonds if you won't put the rocks in your hands down. And so eventually you have to make that decision. And I had some great mentors in my life that helped me, you know, make that three months not be a year. And so I think the right mentors uh, can really help you get out of that depression state into uh, realizing that there's more. Oh, that's that's awesome. And it's so important how that support structure and mentors in your life. Now, your first game as the head coach for the Red Hots, how did you feel that day? I know I'm just taking you back there for a second. I remember being extremely nervous because um, here I am, a (laughs) 6'5 athlete, thought I was going to play, you know, professional basketball. And now I'm coaching sixth grade girls <laughs> and I'm trying to teach offense. And then it's just, it was chaotic. But here, here's what I learned. I think teaching, um, starting off with girls really helped me because I learned that um, your tone and how you articulate sometimes is way more important than what you're saying. And so I learned early on that even if I was frustrated, even if I was happy, if my tone stayed the same, then I would get a response. And if I needed something more, then I would change my tone. So I really learned early (laughs) with the young ladies how to do that. I remember at halftime, I don't remember what the score was, but I do remember sitting there thinking, like, I could really do this. Like, if I can enjoy this. (laughs) Right, right, yes. Like, if I'm excited about this, like, my friends are like, bro, you're coaching sixth grade girls. I'm like, yeah, I mean, we got practice tonight. And I was like, man, this is going to be good. 
uh, if I can enjoy this. And um, I still am in contact with some of those young ladies from that team. So it's a pretty cool experience. Wow. Do you think that was a time period in your life where God was using, uh, you know, the opportunity to just humble you and for you to see a whole different side to basketball leadership? Yeah, it was it, it answered almost two two questions for me, because one of the questions for me was uh, I always wanted to prove myself from the ground up. So I could have easily gotten a job based on my skills, talents, and abilities, coach at the college level or, you know, coach a high-level athletic AAU team. But I really wanted to be good at my craft, so I wanted an apprenticeship. I wanted somewhere where I could make mistakes and get better in the scope of a protected environment. I don't know if there's a lot of ESPN cameras in a sixth-grade girls' basketball game, and there's no newsroom in there. So I was able to to one, humble myself enough to make mistakes and not worry so much about the outcome, just get my process down without the, the residue or without the pain of, oh my goodness, we just lost a game. Now I got to coach to win the next one. No, okay, why we lose? How do I coach these young ladies? All right, let's go have a pizza party because that's important to be close to the young ladies so they understand that I care about them as a coach. So I learned so many things in that season that I don't think I would have learned if I would have went straight to the profession of coaching instead of just relating to young people. Wow. You know, that's really important that you just knew how to work without the distraction. You're really talking about how the distraction, the noise, the volume can really derail performance in a lot of ways when you focus on that, you know. So that's beautiful. So, Coach, how do you define leadership? I think leadership is, is imparting gifts to people to help them realize their potential. I really believe in this generation, I mean, the one that we're living in, that, you know, most of our young people and even the older people, they're going to respond to what you do, not more so what you say. And we can all say really good things, but you're going to impart who you are. And so the, for me, leadership is someone being able to mirror your behaviors and get a result that they want. And so for me, it's like I can't tell my players to do something that I'm not going to do. That would be bad leadership. And so if I'm going to tell my players to do something, I'm going to do it. And then their response is, okay, now I see the results from following my leader. That to me is the scope of leadership is in, okay, now I can realize this on my own. Now, one thing that I really try my hardest to do as a coach and as a leader is uh, to not lead people to a handicap to where they need me. You know, I want to lead them to a place to where they can lead themselves in areas. So I always set, you know, markers and benchmarks. So, Hey, once you get to this point, then now, now someone's going to be following you and then they'll follow you. And then before you know it, you turn around and, you know, in our program alone, we've had three high school head coaches in five years. And so I see that that process, you know, that five years ago, I didn't know what worked. It's actually working because as a leader, my main objective is to give people opportunity to make mistakes in a safe environment. So when they graduate, when they go to their career, they feel equipped enough to trust their decision. Mm, wow, that's beautiful. I bet you are in touch with so many of your players and you hear often how much of an influence you were to their lives. My phone is always being charged and my spirit's always being charged. And people wonder why and my joy is never shaking. And I, and I think it's because when you live a life where leadership is imparting to others, once they realize their potential, the first thing that people do is show appreciation. So I'm constantly overwhelmed by the appreciation from people of, hey, thanks for doing this. And so when I get that appreciation, it's just like fuel to my tank. And it's really, really hard to have a bad day when somebody tells you thank you. And so I try to find <laughs> ways to create those opportunities uh, to continue to happen. 
Wow. There's so much reward in what you do. Oh, for sure. It's, it's um, amazing. So how do you show up as a leader every day in your current position? Well, I think one of the w- ways you show up is um, you, you start to be present. I think a lot of times when we do show up, I would say just uh, in the physical form, but are we actually there? Um, because there, you talked about earlier about the distractions. So are you able to give yourself some life hacks to where you can be present and not be a victim of the distractions we have in our generation with social media, with TV, with issues, with pressure, with stress, with work? Can you be present in a conversation? And, and another way I think you show up is by um, – setting up your people to understand that everything that they do, there's a, there's a consequence and a reward. And when you do that, they'll, they'll always be reminded of the, of the principles you've left them with. One thing that we do at, our, at Southeastern is we, um, we call it coding the environment. My mom used to always like make a fried chicken, right? And if she's going to make the fried chicken, she's not going to just take the chicken and throw it in the grease. Otherwise, it's just going to fry. It's not going to be as good. If she's going to put it in the buttermilk, she's going to put it in the flour. She's going to coat that entire thing. So then when she fries it, the entire thing is going to be coated in uh, the sauce that she's made. And you cannot escape that. And so for us, we want to coat our environment in positive leadership, coat our environment in, in inspiration, coat our environment in getting through the hard things. So whenever guys are here, there's no way when pressure hits that what we've been coated in doesn't show up. There's no way. And so we try to do that. So a lot of times me showing up is creating an environment where they can't escape the pressure. And so uh, a lot of it is just them understanding like, okay, I represent Southeastern. This is what it's going to be. People know I play for Coach Barsh. They know what he's like. So here's how I better respond. And then that pressure, a lot of young people don't like it at first. What happens is they look at the life of the alumni. They look at the life of people around me and they say, okay, I want to get to that place. So let me be coated in this pressure so I can survive the world of the hot, <laughs> the hot grease, right? Right. And so, uh, and so then I can, uh, you know, become who God has designed and divinely designed me to become. Oh, wow. That is so spot on. And that really, it says so much. What you just said is just so many avenues to, to your points there. But one thing that really stood out to me is why it's so important as a leader to lead by example, mm-hmm. to lead consistently, to be present, because that itself is a package of credibility. And when you're getting those young athletes on your team, they're looking at, okay, what have you done in the past? Who am I following? And that credibility, that reputation, those results, that all adds in to being able to create a sense of followership. Do you agree? I agree. I agree. It's all part of the process for them to understand why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. So true. So God has given you this gift. Do you believe that? Without a doubt. Without <laughs> a doubt. I try to locate where I found it and people ask me, how do you get it? And, and, and by the grace of God, you do have to hone it and sharpen it, but by the grace of God, for sure. Oh, amen to that. So what do you feel your responsibility is to this gift? How do you how do you hold it? How do you protect it? Um, I think my responsibility up until this point, and I kind of see it shifting here in the next two or three years, my responsibility up to this point was to be able to get myself to a place to where I can impact people for no response, to, to do something and not need anything in return. So basically a lot of what I've done has been under the radar, which has been 100% okay with me. And I think what God wanted me to do and that is to understand that it was never about me, but in my scope of leadership is going to take me to be able to balance the two, to be able to be confident what you do and not arrogant be able to do it 
in humility, but not lose opportunity, you know? So there's like balancing those worlds of making sure that people understand, like I am who I am. And it's just like branding. You know, I think some people are branded too quick and they throw themselves out there and their brand changes over five years because they weren't a brand when they came out. And so for me, I feel like when God allows me to, to come from under the radar to above the radar, the brand will be set to where people will always know, like you said earlier, it was a gift from God. It's not uh, like I went to some leadership school. It's, you know, God has given me an opportunity to chase these passions daily. And it's not something that I have to learn to do. It's, it's actually inside of me. So I, what I try to do the most is to tell people, don't try to imitate what I am and what I'm about. Imitate what I found. And I found who I am. And so if you can get people to that place, there's no competition in your lane. It's just you. There's no speed limit. It's just you doing you. And if you stay in your lane and do it well, uh, you'll go a long way. Wow. That's so important for the listeners to hear today because there's so much distraction. There's so much competition. There's so many people posturing for power in the world. And we lose our focus on what our divine assignment is, you know, and what our responsibility is because we tend to go look on somebody else's lane. And that's not where we're supposed to be. You kind of spoke to it when you when you reminded me of coaching my sixth grade team. Because I had other opportunities to coach other teams, but coaching that team made me better. And it wasn't like if you looked at coaching opportunities, no one's like, oh, man, that's a great job. Go take that one. But what it's taught me is even in the season that I'm in now is to never have an ego of opportunity to never just like, okay, everyone thinks that's the job I should have right now. So I need to go get that job. And then when I get that job, then I got to get that job. Then I got to get that job. And then everyone's climbing a ladder. I mean, there's no ladder in my life I'm climbing. It always goes back to what you said of remembering why you started and remember that the best job you have is the one that you have. Absolutely. And, oh, wow. That's just such a great reminder. You're absolutely right. And to, to be present with what you have right now. And it's okay to dream and it's okay to plan and it's, it's okay to look forward. But if we stay, you know, stuck in the future, then we get anxiety about that. What's next? What do I have to do? You know, we can't enjoy where we are, all the hard work, the sacrifice to be right now where we are. We can't even feel that because we're so focused on what's next and not enjoying what has been given what i tell my players all the time is never have your what's next be what somebody just did and that's usually what happens is our next is somebody's past like you see somebody accomplish something and oh that i want to do that that's my dream now well not really you want the success of what you just saw but do you know the toil to get to that Uh. that place so true. So true. It's a conversation I have with my teenagers every day. My son is actually getting his uh, private license at 17. Wow. He's really doing a great job. And he's so funny. We were at lunch yesterday and he said, uh, I'm going to walk into my freshman year at college and I'm going to be a CFI and I'm going to make $55,000 a year as a freshman in college. And I just was just looking at him and I said, that's great, you know, that you have all that lined up and, and that may very well happen for you. But let's talk about how you're going to get there, the Mm -hmm. the stretching, and what if it doesn't unfold like that? Are you going to be okay with that and building up to that? Because that's a big salary, you know, as a freshman in college. That's a a life-altering salary as a freshman (laughs) in college. (laughs) I looked at him and I said, okay, well, then I guess you can pay your way through school. So imagine that that conversation. I'm a pilot. I make 55. I'm a freshman. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I know. So one thing I want to close 
goes with is when we talked, we talked about from the broom closet to the boardroom. And I've actually named the episode from the broom closet to the boardroom because it was so inspirational for me to hear that story. But can you just talk a little bit about why we're even saying that to the listeners right now? Oftentimes people have asked me, how did I arrive upon you know, where I'm at in my life, my emotional well-being and the peace that I have. And, and it takes them back to a story with, you know, the greatest mentor I've had in my life is a man by the name of Fred Crow uh, from Spokane, Washington. And when I was 12 years old, 13 years old, I was in the inner city of Tacoma. Uh, there's a basketball camp going on and, and I couldn't afford to go to the basketball camp. Like I just didn't have the money to go. And so what ended up happening is I was offered an opportunity to clean up the gym. And so um, I started cleaning up the gym. And so if I would clean the gym for in the morning, I could go to camp in the evening. And so I started cleaning up the gym and that was 12 years old. And then I started doing that eight weeks of summer where I would clean for one entire week. And then I would, you know, go to camp the next week. And and so literally sweeping, I I painted a basketball court in Auburn at Venice High School. I remember painting the court blue when I was 14 years old, painted an entire basketball court just so I could go to camp the next day filling up the water jugs, not knowing that I was learning, you know, so many skills in that season and also serving a man that had gave me an opportunity. And then I fast forward to where I am right now. Um, you know, I was in Auburn at 12 years old and in August 12th, I leave to go to Japan to run uh, one of our international camps in Japan. Next week, I'll go to Oregon and run a team camp with 20, 25, 30 high school teams. So literally went from sweeping the floor and mopping the floor to an opportunity to help run, you know, one of the largest basketball camp programs in America, NBC camps. And the president of that company and the founder is Fred Kroll. So at that, at that (laughs) moment when he offered me, you know, it was actually Roger Smith. He said, Hey, you can clean up and then go to camp. And then Fred saw me working. I had no idea, you know, 20 years from that day, I'd be sitting in a boardroom with the president and the VP and the board members and making decisions for that camp. You hear the stories a lot. Oh, boardroom to the classroom, from the pit to the palace. And I actually am a living example of that is a true story. And it can happen. I think one of the things that I've learned from that is when I was sweeping the floor, Fred treated me a certain way. When I'm at the boardroom at the head of the table, Fred treats me a certain way. And it's always been the same way. And so I think that's what encouraged me to continue to be a certain way is because I saw my greatest mentor not ever adjust his leadership style based on my age or based on what I was doing for him. It was always based on because I'm R.J. Barsh and he cared about me. And so I leave from that exact area. I want my players to know that they'll see me with the broom, but they'll also see me at the head of the table and I'll be the same guy in both sentences. Wow. That really speaks to so much, doesn't it? That, you know, we should never forget the person and we should never forget the hard work that it takes. And we should see every opportunity, even if it looks different, right? You yeah. know, you, you probably thought as a 14 or 12 year old, I just want to go to camp. Yeah. So in order for you to get to camp, that feeling, that desire, that motivation, it looked different in your head than the way it actually really played out. So opportunity doesn't always always come pretty it does not and there were so many moments where he would ask me to do certain things cleaning up wise that i didn't understand why would i have to do this i just did this and now when you i'm running my own program and running camps all across the country i understand why you do those things <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so it's just like those details 
of leadership in not allowing, if you're leading somebody, you can't allow them to skip steps. You have to love them through the process of apprenticeship. And I think so many people, they love people that they lead, that they allow them to have gaps in their process. And uh, when you allow people you lead to have gaps in their process, they'll never be able to lead themselves. Oh, amen to that. Coach, you're very motivational. You really are. And there are so many people here in our town in Lakeland that cannot wait for this podcast to be lifted off. They've either heard you or heard about you. And you're a mover and a shaker. And it's just so amazing and admirable to watch you carry out your divine assignment. And I appreciate you being on the show. It's been such an honor. Thank you so much. And if I can encourage your listeners on one thing, uh, your podcast is, is so good. and and it, it blows me away that me just being in my divine, you know, alignment in my life, running my camp, created an opportunity that I didn't know existed. And so there's probably people listening right now that are like, where's my next opportunity coming from? Where's my next thing coming from? Continue to be present in, in where you are, be where your feet are. And somebody could be watching you right now that's going to open a door that you didn't even have an idea that, that door existed. So just be encouraged that way. Oh, amen to that. And how can people follow you, Coach? I know a lot of people are going to want to know where you are, keep a pulse on you. Maybe they have a son that, you know, wants to join a camp yeah. or a daughter that you could point to. Can you tell everybody how to find you and follow you? Yeah, follow me on all my social media platforms. Twitter and uh, Instagram are Coach RJ Bars, and that's R-J-A-Y spelled out. So Coach RJ Bars on Twitter and Instagram. I, I post all my content on, on both those platforms. I've been encouraged to get a website, but I have not done that yet. So I continue to just use those platforms. Follow me on there. You can find me at scu.edu and the athletics page if you want to learn more about camp. But usually the best way to reach me is on Twitter. Um, I'm on that thing all the time. It's a great and 140 characters, I can inspire somebody. So that's right, that's right up my alley. So. I love it. And you know I'm going to encourage you to write a book, right? Because it needs to be in the hands of people. I, I've been encouraged in the last uh, two weeks by about seven times now. So I think um, something, will be, <laughs> something will be in the works. Okay. Have a great fourth. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it, everyone. I'm so honored and privileged that I was able to share with you Lakeland's very own Coach R.J. Barsh. I am positive and absolutely confident that you were able to take away one, two, maybe even three gems from his conversation on the show today. I'm always moved by his wisdom and how beautifully he moved with the changes in his life. You know, one thing that I know that we should all take away from this show today is that God is already working on a plan way before we even know that there's a problem or an upcoming change or pivot that's going to happen in our life. And I believe that Coach really shares with us the importance of sustaining your faith, following your calling, because we all know that we get that divine download, right? That calling. And we know that it's specifically designed for us. And I believe Coach really drives home that point today. Please take the time, find him on social media. You will not regret that and follow his wisdom. He's on the move. He's making a major difference in the world. And this is someone you want to keep track of. Let me just tell you again, if you are in the place in your life right now that you are ready to take bold steps towards changes, and you know, you know that you need the accountability, the partner, 
that coach, that voice to help you get to where you want to get to immediately, then I suggest that you check out my website, www.kristensmithworldwide. I'm actually, here's a little secret, I'm actually about to launch an express coaching program in the month of August. I'm so proud of this program because it really hits key target areas within one's life for quick tactical implementation for movement rather than long drawn out programs that tend to dilute the effectiveness over time. So I'm really pumped to launch that. So please, please, please keep your eyes peeled back because it is going to be epic. And until we meet again, be unstoppable.